0: Hello, 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 and welcome to the New Look podcast. As you can see, Anthony's sitting there wearing man, i I'm watching Arsenal, so this is a depressing talk show about football. And it is under the new name of What a Load of Ball, because we will be focusing on New York Red Bulls, Red Bulls, Salzburg, and Russian borscht Leipzig, because actually they're not called Red Bull. However, we will be talking about all the other depressing things coming out of the Emirates Stadium and Old Trafford. But first of all, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year,
1: Anthony. Happy New Year to you, too. Um, what did what, you do for New Year's?
0: Um, I quietly cried because I realized that the next morning, I uh, also were playing Manchester City. <laughs> so I was like, I better not go out drinking too much because we was playing them at half 12 that day. So didn't really uh, end up doing much. How about you?
1: Um, I did really bad at home karaoke um, at, at half volume because I wanted to make sure I didn't wake up my son and then um, I, I, I watched the ball drop and immediately fell asleep so that I could watch games the next day as well.
0: <laughs> I think that's everyone's football. Man. I think oh, look, football's on might as well. But, yeah, I felt sorry for them Man City fans who would have seen in New Year and then probably had to leave about five minutes after to get down to London for a half-twelve kickoff, which we will not be getting into at this point. But just saying, the word Stuart Atwell is banned on this podcast. Yeah, thank you very <laughs> much. But obviously there's not, as everyone knows, our dear friends in New York slash New Jersey, obviously, uh, it's still not season yet. So typical fashion, we've still got to wait a bit longer. However, we've got another needless in town. We've got the two Neelises. So all fun and games, especially, obviously, we've acquired Dylan from Nashville. Look like, um, I can't remember, there's this other geezer who's gone to Nashville, who was uh, Sean Davis. Um Obviously, uh, that's more of an interesting situation. But one hundred twenty-five thousand to bring in Needless's brother, so two Needless better than one.
1: Yeah, not too bad. Look, the the one thing I'll say about the Sean Davis captain situation is he had reached MLS free agency, um, which is something very new. It was only negotiated during this last uh, collective bargaining agreement for Major League Soccer. And, you know, he went out there, he put out his feelers and um, he got a great response. According to him, the owners of Nashville flew him on a jet to Nashville. Um, If you've ever been in Nashville, it's a wonderful place, great food. um, And it's a chance to really start new. You know, he spent his entire, he was a child with the New York Red Bulls. So when you get a chance to go do something else somewhere else with a team that's doing something radically different than what the Red Bulls are doing, I can't blame him. The the fan base that are mad that he that he didn't stay and are mad at the Red Bull need to realize that they did make an offer, they did try, although his wishes were to go somewhere else. And God bless he's he's gonna have fun doing what he's doing, hopefully. And um, you know, we'll see him uh maybe once a year because I think Nashville's moving over to the West Coast.
0: Lovely. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm one of them. Everyone's obviously sad to see him go, but like anything in the Red Bull franchise, another captain has fallen so. Just the thing, you put the armband on, you leave, and that's how it is. But moving on to someone else who's left, however, in the English media, there's been a lot of talk. Obviously, he's out currently injured at the moment, Tom Edwards. He's um, undergone a surgery, so he's out for about a month and a half. But there is a load of talk regarding a permanent transfer, because obviously I think Stoke have just said, look, like, we don't mind moving him on. How is it your side of the pond? Have you, have you got any um, little murmurings about Tom Edwards? Because obviously... Being a English-based player, we've had little rumors, but not as much since his surgery.
1: Yeah, they want to make it happen. They really, really want want to to do it. He was a important part to the defense here this year, and if they can maintain some form of a three three man line of now soon to be returning Aaron Long, Sean Nealis, and Edwards, it it would be fantastic. Tom Edwards has really a really great ability to get out wide if necessary as well. So they want They really, really want to make that happen. Um, I, the, the big question is how they make it happen. I know that the loan spell um, makes sense. I think that the mechanisms within MLS need to be worked out, like allocation order and how they work out the the transfer fees, things like that. Um, more than likely, I think he will return next year on on another loan while they figure out the details to get him in here permanently.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I think obviously it'd be great to see him back. And I think that was one that all of us obviously said had a brilliant season and uh, be another brilliant acquisition. But otherwise, there's a, a 17-year-old Venezuelan and I'm, sometimes you look at some things when you read it and it makes you feel old. And Jesus Castellano, I looked at his date of birth and it said the year 2004. And I thought... Sack's not quite right here when you see a player signing for someone and it, they're born in 2004. It's, uh, I, I remember the first time I see a player in the, born in the new millennium of 2000. I thought, oh, that's something quite different. But 2004 is <laughs> very, very strange to see.
1: Well, do you realize, though, that he's old enough to not have remembered Arsenal's undefeated season? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, unlucky, unlucky him. Like uh, lucky enough, I'm just about old enough to remember seeing the league. I might have been very small, but was well, still around. But no,
1: and 17 isn't even that young anymore. There's a um the young. I think the record was broken. The youngest player ever signed to a major league soccer contract was the 14 uh, year old striker. I think he's a striker for um, Real Salt Lake a 14 year old player assigned to an MLS deal. I don't, he is not going to play in MLS probably. He's probably going to play in the USL next year, but it's, or MLS next, depending on who you talk to. Um, but yeah, 14 years old. That's uh, that's quite a deal. Yeah. And I think there's, a, it's been a,
0: quite a few surprising transfers. I think, especially for the MLS just brought broadening out. And uh, one of them that took me by surprise when I see the rumor before I was having, and that's Lorenzo Insigne, obviously our oh, house in Napoli. Um. Napoli legend making a switch to Canada and uh, getting a pay rise and doing so as well, which I felt quite surprising. But there you go. He's not the first Italian player. Obviously, a certain Giovinco had the exactly same move into the MLS and into Canada. But it's going to be a bit of a scary one to come up against um, in the season and another big pull for the MLS, I'd say.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um, I I believe he's 30 now, Um, but this goes back to the MLS kind of model of there are some teams that fall in line with what the overall scheme is, which is developing players trying to make your own. I don't want to call them stars but make your own players, essentially. And then you've got the Torontos and the Miamis and the L.A. Galaxies of the world that want to bring in these big players. There's not a very good track record of it working out. Like, you know, it, Rooney didn't work out at DC, aside from one spectacular moment that was fantastic. But for the most part, it didn't work out. Nani did not work out in Orlando. Chicharito, two years in, has not worked out in, in LA Galaxy. And Insigne needs something there to facilitate his success, he needs some player. It could be Pozuelo who's, who's going to return to the team, but there's other issues that Toronto desperately could have spent that money on defense, midfielders, playmakers, um, other playmakers, uh, especially in a World Cup year. It's it's going to be rough. It's going to be really rough because maybe it doesn't matter because, because who knows? Italy doesn't make the World Cup. It doesn't matter. He goes to make his money anyway, and, and it can work. The other thing is, too, he's not joining the team until July. So he's playing a full season in Syria. Ah, I, he's going to have to take a vacation. I mean, there's no, you, know, you can't just like pop into MLS. Um, let, let's presume Italy's going to make it. I don't think they are, but let's say they do. Um, that means he is playing consecutively a year and a half worth of football without a break. I, I don't see how this is good for his body. And, and at some point, it, he is if, if he's got to make the choice of, do I make this MLS push for Toronto's playoffs or do I rest my body for a World Cup? The answer is going to be rest your body for the World Cup.
0: Yeah, you can't blame me that as well. I yeah. did, I, there's been quite a few players linked to moves around the MLS, obviously free agency or even... Americans returning home. And one I've literally just finished reading and been linked to in Miami is DeAndre Yedderlin, obviously. A lot of people knew him from Seattle Sounders because he was very fast on FIFA. So then Tottenham picked him up and then he ended up in Newcastle. And then now I think he's a Galatasaray. But obviously, I see a couple of Red Bull fans talking about it, obviously because he's a defender. But another really getting on player in his career. Obviously not really the Red Bull model, but Another player returning back to the MLS. Would you like to see him rebel? I personally said I'd rather just work on a younger player, letting yeah. Miami have him, letting Miami have him, because they're going to go for him yeah. because he's a big name.
1: Yeah, you know, if, if you were getting, if you could guarantee me that DeAndre Yedlin would be DeAndre Yedlin without the injuries, um, I would sign up for that. But the issue is he's had health problems. He's had ankle problems. Um he's had consistency problems to be quite honest i mean it's not like he's getting selected for the for the national team these days um so it's it's rough i i he is a very talented player but for consistency and for minutes in mls i would not pick him up at all
0: no don't blame me so and there's been quite a it's been quite a wee not weird because obviously the ongoing covid situation but obviously there's been a lot of quietness around the MLS and thankfully for us we were discussing it prior when the other team won the MLS it kind of next day never happened which was lovely um I can guarantee you if that happened in the Premier League and a a rival would won something you'd never hear the end of it until you won it again but that passed over very quickly so that was all very good so that was last year we put that in the past um even though they will try and claim it every time we play them, but we actually, There was actually a little scrimmage down in Florida with uh, NYCFC yesterday. Obviously, not full squads because of everything going on, but uh, NYCFC actually did win 3-1, and the uh, only Red Bull goal was by Zach Ryan. Nice homegrown player scoring a goal. Um, can't read anything into these scrimmages. Obviously, the Red Bull fans, as they love to do on Twitter, as soon as anything happens, they love having a moan, but scrimmages are scrimmages. It's a preseason game. Doesn't matter at all, does it?
1: No, sometimes they don't even play 90 minute games. <laughs> so it's, it's um sometimes they play half field. I mean it's it's oh but it's it's preseason and none none of it really matters at this point. Um I mean NYCFC are just looking to they're they're in a rough spot because they're preparing for a CONCACAF Champions League game, um, which they'll be playing a home game in Los Angeles. And and for context, that would be like Arsenal playing a home game in Moscow. that's like the distance between the two it's like three thousand miles almost um but you know whatever CONCACAF Champions League doesn't matter so you know they're gonna any any team that all right I'm gonna be mean for a second some teams will claim that they care about the CONCACAF Champions League but the truth is I have never in the United States seen without it being Portland or Seattle or something like that. Like one of those teams that you like, literally you could get 11 players off of, off of the, off of the street and play the Seattle Sounders and they'll sell out. Um, That they can't play their home games in their home stadiums because they can't sell enough tickets. No one cares about the Concord Cat League. Yeah. I I was there for Chivas versus New York Red Bulls. It was not a full stadium. And that was Chivas probably the second biggest club in North America next to Club America, and it wasn't sold out because no one cares about that competition. Yeah, and I agree, it's one of those things at the end of the day.
0: And preseason pre preseason, so we do look forward to the start of the season. And uh, talking about the franchise and another team, which had a lot of action happen, their manager has departed, uh, a bit of form has picked up, and I know. You're a big fan of uh, the Russian Bosch for Leipzig. Um, yeah, let's go long ball sport. <laughs> I love saying that because everyone, including Sky Sports, oh, Red Bull Leipzig's not Red Bull Leipzig, even though it is Red Bull Leipzig. Long story. That's a, another title for another day. But four straight wins. And at the moment, actually into the quarterfinal of the Polka Cup with Bayern Munich and Dortmund have been knocked out of that as well. So good chance to actually win
1: something. If they do not win this, it is a massive failure. This is it. This is it. The I think the only other two teams. Um, oh, I'm gonna look it up real quick. But like the there um, there um, there's no one to stand in their way. I know there's Union Berlin, um, who all respect to them. They are fantastic and they they have moments where they they can beat anybody. Um, there's the the dark horse team that I really really if they. Beat Leipzig, I, I really wouldn't care. Um, St Pauli, and and anyone's anyone who's ever grown up listening to a punk rock album will love St Pauli. They're they're fantastic. If you don't know who they are, go look them up. They're fantastic. They're a team in Hamburg. Um, you you look up the like Bochum is still in it. They're going to get relegated from the Bundesliga, and they're still in it. It's it and Freiburg. Freiburg is the only other really really big team. The rest of them are all second division teams. This is it. They, they, you'll never have a better shot. In, in, the, in the history of Leipzig, in the Bundesliga, they've made two um, DFB Pokal finals. One was against Bayern Munich. The second was last year against Borussia Dortmund. They have run up against the wall so many times, and the wall is gone right now. This is it. If there's ever been a year where they're going to win their first major trophy, this is it, and this is the way they do it.
0: No, I remember watching a few that I've had a few of the different Polter Cup games on, and obviously I was one of the games I did watch was the SC Kern versus uh game which obviously Kern lost. So that was another Bundesliga team going out to the Bundesliga team. So, like you say, it's a massive opportunity. Um, but obviously they had a big opportunity in Europe and they got knocked out of the Champions League and went into Europa League, and they've not got an easy tie at all. I was just looking it up and they've got Real Soschia, who are no no Muppets, so to speak. They're very good players there. And that is another massive game. But obviously, just touching back on the managerial situation, obviously everyone knows that, well, if you haven't heard and you're living under a rock, Jesse Marshall obviously has departed, which was very, very predictable by just how things were going. Um, Obviously have been replaced as new manager has come in. So a lot of people might actually not have heard of him, but... We have got a resident expert here yeah. who um, knows everything about everything as soon as it comes to the Red Bull ch- uh, team. So what's your opinion so far on everything that's gone on in terms of Manjira's situation? Because obviously it was time for change. We all love Jesse, but it was time. And do you think it's the right manager to bring in? And do you like the acquisition?
1: Yeah, I, I was I was very surprised that he was available. Um, it, Domenico Tedesco is, is the manager. He he's very young. I believe he's only 36 years old. He managed Schalke from 2017 to 2019, got them to the Champions League. He managed, I think it was the Hoffenheim B team right before that. So I had heard of the name. It's kind of like Julian Nagelsmann. Like you kind of heard his name around a bunch. Um, super smart dude, um, Tedesco. Like I think he speaks like six languages. He's half Italian, half German, I believe. Um, it was interesting because I knew that he had left Schalke and took up another job so when his name popped up I was very much like he he doesn't have another job somewhere else and apparently he didn't apparently he left and was um, I think it was a, for personal reasons uh, due to COVID he would just wanted to be closer to home um, so Leipzig kind of worked out perfectly in that case it made me think why they didn't go to him first <laughs> uh, but you know it's He's come in and what he's done is something that Jesse Marsh was unable to do, which is bridge the gap between what Red Bull wants to be, which is that high impact, high pressing team and the possession based football that Julian Nagelsmann did mainly because Nagelsmann brought in players to play that possession based style. And they're still there. And Marsh was unable to get them to do what he wanted them to do and unable to adapt to what, they wanted to do um so what Tedesco's been able to do is find that happy medium it's not perfect specifically on the defensive side of the ball I think that Simicon is a Marsh not that Marsh brought him in but the idea was that he would work with Marsh and he gets caught upfield a lot uh but other guys Willie Arban. um and Helinho as well, had done a really good job of being able to distribute out of the back a lot better than they did under Jesse Marsh. So you see the possession parts. I can't even tell you what kind of formation they play. It's odd. It's, it looks like a Christmas tree most of the time. But what you have up front is something that a lot of teams don't have. You have Chris Nkunku, who is probably going to be the next big star in world football. Um, you've got Andre Silva, who's very serviceable. And then and then you've got other guys interchangeable. You've got Danny Almo off the bench or starting. You've got Yusuf Paulson, who's been very serviceable to this team since they were in the Bundesliga too. They, they they've got offensive pieces, and then that new kid, um, Nuvoa, who's like what is he like eighteen or whatever. They they've got all of these options moving forward that you have to feel like they're in a really good place. And Tedesco has got them feeling really good about themselves right now. So, you know, it, it's all it's all good. And I think they're only two points out of fourth place at the moment. Oh uh, Yeah, they're currently sitting
0: in sixth, which is obviously a much improvement. I think last time we actually spoke, I think they were sitting in 12th. So a lot better. But I was thinking, oh, nice little run of form. Hopefully it's a nice easy game up next for Leipzig. Uh, no, it's uh, Bayern <laughs> Mu- Munich away. So good Bayern Munich away, 5th of uh, February. So be a very very tricky game especially that every single game Bayern and play at the moment they're scoring four goals they played Hertha berlin away this week uh this weekend scored four uh to i know scored uh sarnay gnabry it's just goals from everywhere muller as well lewandowski didn't even score so
1: he didn't score so he's past his prime he's done yeah he's they're, done they're so
0: yeah. like you don't have to worry about lewandowski <laughs> probably scoring five in the next game just to make up for his goal scoring record but so I but I think there's one player that I've actually seen linked away from, Leipzig quite a lot in the English media. Like every single player in world football at the moment who wants to leave, yeah. they're getting linked to Newcastle, but also being linked to Man United a bit, and that's Amadou Haidara. Um, Newcastle are just going to be one of these teams that if anyone becomes available from a good team, they will be going for them. So do I always discredit Newcastle, but they're there, they've got the cash. Obviously, being a Man United fan yourself, uh, Hidara, Um w- Obviously, he's got a release clause, but uh, the rumor is Leipzig just want to get rid of him now. But it's a January transfer window; he's going to come with a bit of premium. But Ralph Ragnick, being at uh, Man United, could see
1: the way of a deal. Do you think? Maybe. So, if Ralph Ragnick was the permanent manager, I would say yes. The problem is to get into the United talk is. He's got a six-month contract, and then he's a consultant. He's not even a full-time employee of Manchester United. So, I, I don't know what kind of football they plan on playing. But I look at their midfield, and I'm thinking to myself: Bruno Fernandez isn't going anywhere. Um, they've shown no signs of getting rid of Fred or McTominay, who know they should. Um, and the the other you're looking at the rest of the midfield, you've got Donny Van de Beek, who poor guy. Um, and then, and then you've got, you've got Paul Pogba, which I'm thinking to myself, you bring in Amadou Haidara, where is he going to play? I know that he has an option of playing as a right winger. Oh, that's interesting. Mason Greenwood and Jaden Sancho play out there. Oh, you can move one of them over to the other side. Oh, who's on the other side? Marcus Rashford. I, I don't know how he fits into the team, especially when you look at the, United has one of the most bloated rosters in world football. There are players getting paid to eat shrimp cocktail right now that have not seen a minute of action. I can't remember the last time I saw Juan Mata take the field. I think he's getting about $2 million a year, something like that. Like, it's just, I, I, there's no, this team should not be bringing in, they should be sending out. So I I, I don't think it's a bad move for Haidara if the plan is Pogba's going to go to whatever team, Real Madrid or wherever he's going to go. Fine. Um, I hope that doesn't happen because I, I am one of the people that really does believe Paul Pogba was one of, the best mid, one of the best distributing midfielders in the world. Um, but if if he's not going to go, if the plan is to keep Bruno Fernandes where he is, if the plan is to keep Donny Vendebeck, I, I I don't know why you bring in Amadou Haidara at this point. Um, but it's good for him. He gets paid and you know he gets to play in England.
0: Yeah, very much so. And just touching on Man United, uh, one player that is leaving, man. Anthony Martial and looks he going heading up yeah. to Sevilla or heading down to Sevilla. Um, it was the rumour at the beginning of the window that out of all the teams interested, and there were some big names interested, that his go-to team was Sevilla. And it looks like he's getting his move, even though he actually did get on the pitch in the last game. So yeah. he actually managed to finally get on the pitch and now he's leaving. But another one, like you say, you've got to You've Got options there. You obviously got Ronaldo Cavani who are taking up big wages, and there's not much space. You've got Greenwood you can play down the middle, Rashford can play down the middle. Um, so it's one of them that you got wealth of options. So and Anthony Marshall was just one of them that burst onto the scene. I remember right at the beginning when come from Monaco to getting compared to Thierry on rebat six minutes into his debut. Um, just a weird situation that uh, unfolded there. Like very good player on his day, like quick, strong just not really happened of late and like you say you've got to get rid of players so not really a surprise that Anthony Marshall is
1: departing it, it's crazy I think he had a Ballon d'Or clause in his contract like that, that he would get a certain amount of money if he that, that's how hyped they were about him I remember the same thing I think he came in at the same time that Memphis Depay came in to United I think it was like 2015 or 16 around there and I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is it. This is a guy Like much how we're seeing Vinicius and Real Madrid now kind of take off and do everything. I think the plan was Rashford and Martial were going to be that. Rashford has seen pretty close to his potential at this point. Martial hasn't. I don't know if that's his fault. I never thought he was a striker to begin with. Um, he was always a winger. I, and I think the idea was he would always be, it would be Rashford, the striker, Martial, the winger, um, in a way more attacking style than United ended up playing under name your manager, Louis van Gaal, Jose Mourinho, Ali Gunnar But like it's um, Ryan Giggs at some point, probably. Uh, but the, uh, it's, um, it, it's interesting now that he's going to Sevilla because they need a player like him. He's the kind of guy that may, I, I don't think they're going to catch Real Madrid. They're close. But he's the kind of guy that, if he's motivated, could be the piece, especially we just saw in the last game of Real Madrid. Kareem Benzema came off the field holding his hamstring. If he misses a, a, a long amount of time, they don't have options to replace him. And he's not just a goal scorer. He's a distributor for Vinicius. Luka Jovic is not that guy to take that spot. So Martial joining Sevilla could be the thing that puts them over the top.
0: No, i hundred percent do agree with you. And it's a... It'll be a very interesting situation. I think the La Liga is a fascinating league to watch this year. And like you say, one man in particular, Vinicius Junior, is special. I think that's the word. Every game I watch him, he seems to be getting better. And I think there's a lot of times players, especially come over from Brazil, and they come over with the hype of, oh, this guy is the next big thing. Like there's another Brazilian on the team as well, slightly younger than him, Rodrigo, who's starting oh, to play a bit better now. Brilliant. As well. He's brilliant. He's um, brilliant. But you've got these two Brazilians there who are going to be electric especially in the world cup this year but vinicius jr if people haven't really watched a lot of him please just go and watch the highlights of real madrid this guy's lights out he's fantastic and his relationship with benzema so far this season has been incredible like all these awards that players are winning benzema needs to be getting put into a picture for some of these because he's been incredible the last year but vinicius oh my god he's He's got been the best. Uh, uh, You look at wingers, you obviously everyone says Neymar because he's brilliant. Don't get wrong, now he's brilliant. But Vinicius, for his age as well, what he could, yeah. There's when you look at young players, and I'm sure everyone agrees with me that there's platforms, the top platform everyone says, Kylian Mbappe, Erling Haaland. Sorry, Vinicius is up there. I I don't think people can really disagree.
1: Yeah, he's he's there now, and and um. It makes you wonder why they wasted the money at Eden Hazard. Um, and maybe they freaked out. Maybe they didn't think that Vinicius was going to come through. Um, he was young and he had moments where you, I, I think Carlo Ancelotti said it earlier in the season, his big problem was he took one too many touches, that he, he needed to take the shot after a certain touch. He fixed that and all of a sudden everything has changed for him. I think that they freaked out. They got Eden Hazard and Eden Hazard, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a bigger bust in world football than in Hazard. I mean, like you can say whatever you want about Gareth Bale, but Gareth Bale already produced for Real Madrid. He's not doing it now, but I mean, he's got probably one of the most iconic goals that they've ever had in the Copa del Rey final where he sprinted across the field and, and made it happen. So I, I, I think that they're, they're in such great hands um, with that. And that's, That's what United thought that they had. They have it now, by the way, I will say, because Mason Greenwood is that, and he's he's proven that. And Marcus Rashford is still only 23 years old, so he hasn't even reached his prime yet. So they've got so much there that I don't know. From a Haidara standpoint, getting back to that, I don't know if I would do that if I were him because I would not get the options with Manchester United that I will continue to get with Leipzig. But if another team came along, like let's say I don't know um, who is a team that desperately needs a player like him, I'm thinking mostly of Italian teams that are spent that are dumping salary, but will probably switch in a year or two to spending again. A Juve is going to look for a player like him. Um, Inter Milan, AC Milan, um, Roma, depending on how things go, Jose Mourinho may be looking. That that may be a better move unless United wants to literally build around a player like Haidara.
0: No, I yeah, definitely agree with you. And obviously, we just talked about lights. I'm going to touch with Salzburg because there actually has been one ongoing transfer saga, hmm. I'd like to call it, with uh, Salzburg. And being linked with uh, Leeds United is Brendan Aronson. Obviously, everyone who knows the MLS knows him. And a lot of people who know younger players know that well, he's a very good talent. But a £15 million and a £20 million pound bid for being rejected is a report over here. Definitely £15 million. 20 million has been a bit thrown out there of late, but obviously Salzburg have got Bayern Munich in the Champions League next round. So <laughs> unlucky for them that they have got an absolute powerhouse next round. But hopefully, like you never know, especially this young team, but they've got some of these great young players. And obviously, before we move on to some of their other up-and-coming world-class players, Aronson is very, very good. Like I remember when obviously he was leaving like he played against New York Rebels and you could tell straight away there's a player there. It's going to be a very good player. But Leeds United could be a business if they can pull it off, but I think this could be a summer transfer, do you?
1: I think so too. Um, I would not go to Leeds if I were him because I think that that is a team. Well, I mean, if the money's right. If the money's right, you always go. But um, if I'm looking for where I want to go, team-wise, a team that's going to guarantee me Champions League placement, I wait. I hold out because Leeds might be in a relegation battle next year. Um, And I don't think Marcelo Bielsa will be managing that team next year around this time anyway. So um, he's incredibly talented in that he can play a playmaker position from different parts of the field. You can play him out on the wing and he cuts in tremendously well, which I think will play well in the Premier League. But I don't know if that plays well with Bielsa. And, and what he's going to do and if they're going to be in a relegation battle next year do you really want to be in that position um, unless of course the money's great and if the money's great you know eat popcorn while the team goes down you know like <laughs> dip your popcorn in gold on the way down you know like god bless you
0: <laughs> Oh no, no definitely and i think like i would say fantastic player and i think it's one of them that people at some players at Salzburg know they're a great team they're only learning only getting better there's great youngsters there and you're on the Champions League doorstep. You're playing Bayern Munich. You have a one, even half a good game against Bayern Munich. 30 more teams are going to in an interview. So I don't think it's going to be a case of he needs to move to get a... The player that we love talking about, certain Kareem Yemi, Yeah. Just sensational player. Obviously, like Brendan Aversley, I think it's going to be a summer transfer for him. And obviously a certain striker who goes before him, a certain Erland Haaland, who made the move from Salzburg to Dortmund. I've got a feeling Kareem Adeyemi could be um, Haaland's replacement at Dortmund. Where will Haaland go? That's a discussion we're going to have in a minute. But uh, Adeyemi to Dortmund seems to be... there. That story has always been in the background. It's always been there or thereabouts. Obviously, German under-21 international who's going to be a German full-capped international very soon. But could easily... It will suit the Dortmund style of football. Don't get me wrong. He's obviously been linked with Bayern Munich, like every single player is. Yeah. But Dortmund could be a very good fit for Karim Adeyemi at his stage, like Harden. Go there to develop, and then go on to the next team from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, he could go there and stay there if he wants. Like again, you, like you said, German international. When when you're a German player and you hit that, you either you can move on, you can move on to Bayern Munich, but that is such a great stage, and it's built for him. Holland is leaving. There's just no, no way around that. They're going to need another striker. They have no one else. So bringing in Adiyemi makes absolute sense. Salzburg can make a killing off of him, and he could just eat up goals off of guys like Gio Reyna um, and, and, and you know, Jude Bellingham and ev- everything that comes out of that team. It, it, it's a no-brainer to me. I think he moves to Dortmund at, in the summer when Holland leaves.
0: Yeah, and I think there's another actual. Well, it seems like I'm always talking about strikers with Salzburg, yeah. and there is another absolute wonder kid who's there, Slovenian Benjamin Sesko. And I've had some disturbing reports that he's being linked with Tottenham, uh, which, obviously, for me, is not a good thing because he's a very good talent. Another one off the another one in Salzburg. They keep finding these players, which fair play to them because these are all very, very good players. Um, but another player being linked with a Premier League move. And it's another one in the succession of Salzburg players who are just fantastic players. And it's not the only ones there. There's other players there. It's not really been getting the credit. So well. I thought Noah Okafor would have a bit more, like more noise around him, especially yeah. I thought a few Premier League teams would be murmuring around it. I would even thought maybe a West Ham or someone like that. But obviously it's a case of January's more of a, you have to do it. If someone comes in and buys your player, then you've got to go and buy someone else. So the summer window, yet yeah, again, but, Touching on both then players, Okafor and sesco both brilliant talents and touted for Premier League success, but surely you wouldn't leave before this big Bayern Munich game. You might as well hang it out and see what the summer comes again, just like Kareem Adeyemi and Aronson.
1: Yeah, sesco I, I, I don't leave if I'm him. Um, not for that Tottenham deal. We He has no idea what that team is going to be like. We don't know if Conte is going to blow a gasket and decide to leave. Um The Harry Kane situation is is insane. Um, There's no guarantee. If you're an 18-year-old kid, you're coming to the Premier League, you have no guarantees you're going to see any time at all. This is not a league that plays their kids. So if I'm him, Bundesliga opens up? Sure. Um, The right La Liga team in mid-table? Sure. Premier League? uh, I mean, he's good. He shows signs of being great, but he won't do that if uh, he's sitting on a bench on any Premier League team. And I would not make that move if that's the case. Noah Okafor is a different story. I think that I think he's proven enough to be a starter. He's a bit older. I think he's 21 now. Um, he's proven enough to be a starter. He can be a starter on a number of Premier League teams. And if you're and if you're guaranteed to be a starter, I think you take that you take that money and go.
0: No, definitely. I think it's it's a credit to we we don't have to blow their horn because Salisbury are great at buying the right players. Um, there was one actual transfer a uh, loan out, so just loan out of Salzburg that I just wanted to touch on, and that was uh, Hubert has actually moved to the seventh place team in Austria. So hopefully he gets some good football under him from a Red Bull uh, New York perspective that didn't get the time he wants. So hopefully he does get the playing time, but
1: hopefully he doesn't get injured walking into the locker room.
0: Yeah, well. Hopefully hopefully, lasts more than 45 minutes. Um, but all due respect, good luck to him. But just moving on from Rebel franchises and just in football in general, and we obviously just mentioned him, Erling Haaland. Because it's it's going to be the saga of the summer. Obviously, you've got and Mbappe as well, whose contract is expiring, but there's rumours that he might sign a one-year extension potentially. But most likely, Real Madrid looks like this spot for him. But Haaland's a bit of a different situation because quite a few teams linked with him. Obviously he's leaving Dortmund. We all know that he's leaving Dortmund. Uh, but where does he go? Up? At? Does he st- Like, obviously there's always going to be that link. Will he go to Bayern? Because, well, what do we know about Dortmund strikers and going Bayern Munich? Um, <laughs> but then Real Madrid, Barcelona, all these teams could. If a Harlem comes available, we take him. But then Man City have also been linked with him. Then as it comes to a question of if he's offered, like Liverpool, Chelsea. Yeah. It's Man United. So it's one of these big teams has got to pick him up, and it's going to be obviously it's because of his certain agent. It's going to go down to money, but yeah, I I've just got this feeling that you're going to end up. I would I would personally love to see him back. One of Mbappe and Harden at Real Madrid, and the other one at Barcelona, and then there's a fresh old El Clasico. You've got Harden versus Mbappe. But do you think it's going to happen? Do you think that's going to happen? Or can you see him maybe... Obviously, because everyone... Most people actually probably don't know, but his father obviously played a lot of football in English football, played for Man City, played for Leeds as well. Harland is a Leeds fan, but we're being realistic. We're not thinking to Leeds. He's not right. going to Leeds. <laughs> Sadly not. That would be very interesting. But does he come to the English game? Or do you think... I think he's going to say mainland, mainland Europe personally, but what do you think?
1: I mean, he's suited. Like, his playing style matches the English playing style so well. Like, I, I, I don't think that he would have any issues adjusting. Um, if, if you're asking what teams, uh, I, I, I think that if... I, I don't think Man City is the right fit. I, I, I don't think that he can play the way... Guardiola has always had issues with creative strikers. Thierry Henry had issues with him. Not bad issues, but you know, not not Zlatsan is lots on hated playing for him. But Thierry Henry had issues with the stifling of creativity of him as a striker. And I think that Holland needs to be in a place where he's allowed to kind of roam a bit more. So I, I can I can see a United working for him, although I think that they ruled themselves out of that when they got Ronaldo, unless the plan is to move Ronaldo out next year, but I I I don't know where he goes, and it ain't gonna be the United States because um, he doesn't want to go to jail. So um, it's a uh, it's it, it's gonna be weird and interesting to see that. I Barcelona, I I, I would have said Barcelona, but I just don't know what Xavi's gonna do for them, and and that's the big thing. Like I, I Xavi was not the pick. If there was another manager. Um, if you told me a Paticino or someone a little bit more seasoned was going in there, I think it would be, there is a real possibility that he does end up in Real Madrid and that we do have Mbappe and Holland there. If Mbappe comes on a free transfer, there is no reason why they can't put all every last bit of money into Holland. And I don't know why you would say no to a strike partnership or a winger, like looking to your left or right and seeing Vinicius Jr. and Killian Mbappe. Like, and, and then they would even still have the money. And look, they got the midfield behind him. Like, even when Modric retires, there's Federico Valverde. When Casemiro's done playing, there's Eduardo Camavinga. That's why they brought him in. They're, they're set up for long term success that if, it, if, and, and this all hinges on Mbappe coming on a free transfer. If he goes on a free transfer, I don't see why he doesn't decide to take take Real Madrid to the house for the paycheck and just go. Because they're going to make all of their money on him in a month selling jerseys. I
0: percent I agree. And that, just that thought alone of Haaland and Mbappe and Vinicius and Rodrigo as your four attacking options is just, shouldn't be legal it should be just like uh, what the nba done with chris paul's their La lakers when they blocked the transfer i think fifa have got to come and do something because that is we're,
1: we're, we're not even talking about benzema who's still going to be in the team
0: yep. next year it's, it's going to be like watching the harland globetrotters out there watching them if they all do but there's I say, we were saying before how there's tears and obviously you got mbappe harland and there is a demand for a big number nine I've, Obviously, my team, Arsenal, are being linked with every single striker under his son, especially three youngsters in particular. I just want to touch on all three because obviously one of them has been heavily linked, which I said from day one, I don't think it'll ever happen. He's a Champions League striker. He won't go anywhere until then. That's obviously Dusan Um Juventus are now being linked with him. Um, potential, I don't know, how, an Italian transfer is an Italian transfer. It'll probably be a three-year loan deal with five years after that paying whatever but obviously they're actually linked with uh dujan as well going the other way which could be an interesting move for Fiorentina. and flachovic could suit perfectly for juventus and i think it would be a better fit than arsenal because Champions league football that's flachovic should be playing there he's had one of the best goal scoring records i think he had 35 league games in the Canada year 2021 and scored 33 goals and had seven assists which is a ridiculously good record um I, I, I just think, and this is put my biased aspect aside, because obviously I'd love to see Vlahovic, but it's just unrealistic I'm, I'm in my eyes. I just can't see him leaving Italy at the moment. And if it did, it would have to be for a Champions League side, which him and his agent have rumored to have said the whole time.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I do see him leaving Fiorentina. I don't see, I don't necessarily. Arsenal's not a bad landing spot because you know, you're going to get the minutes. They, they are going to be in need of a striker. Lacazette I believe is coming out of contract at the end of this year. Young is, I don't know, somewhere trying to drive a Ferrari into a river. Um, it's, they, they need somebody like that. So he can look at that as an opportunity and say, Hey, this is, this could be my team. And it's, and it's a pretty young team at the moment that's made a lot of very smart transfers. Um, they're not panning out yet, but I don't think that the plan was that they were going to pan out just yet. I think it was kind of, this is a two, three year down the line kind of thing. As long as they stay the course and don't hire like, I don't know, Jose Mourinho or something. Um, Can you imagine that Jose Mourinho at Arsenal? That'd be great. I want that now anyway. um, But no, I, I, I would take that if I were him. Um, Knowing that you have a chance to carry a, a legendary club, one one of the biggest clubs in the world, and I know that some, you know, I joke about it, and a lot of other people joke like, "Ha ha ha!" Arsenal's not big anymore, but the truth is, Arsenal is will always be a big club. So they're kind of like the New York Knicks in the sense that it doesn't matter how bad they are, they will always be big. So you have the ability to carry them back to glory, and that and that plus the fact that they're gonna dish out money for you. Um, why would you not take that gig? I, w- I would totally take that gig.
0: Uh, I think um, I'm going to just pass your details on to Arsenal because we haven't been getting a move on. But, but like you say, fantastic player. And it's a brilliant opportunity. And there's today there's been another emergence of a very, very good young striker who's been linked with potential moves away, but he's got a £75 million release course, which wow. is Alexandra Isak from Real Sociedad, who obviously, Leipzig are playing in Europa League, fantastic player uh strong tall quick as well very gifted on his feet being linked but 75 millions a lot of money but the one person a few obviously a few of my mates will know that I've been talking about a certain North American striker for about four years now who was playing in Belgium now he's playing for the French champions which is Jonathan David okay it's a, a lot different move he's a lot more raw compared to Dusan Vlahovic or Alexander Isaac. Um doing very well in France. He's probably the only good thing about Lille this season, him and Renato Sanchez, they're gonna be leaving Lille soon, probably not in January because of the Champions League commitments. But obviously, a North American another North American player, obviously not from America but from Canada, making the headlines in Europe. Um I don't know how you feel about Jonathan David, especially, but it's even though it's Canada, it's nice to see a breakout, another breakout. So obviously Alfonso Davis for Canada's already been a massive hit for Bayern, but another breakout North American, which is great to see because in the past you've had these players here and there, but he's got to be another one who's looking for another big move in the summer.
1: Yeah. Um, if I'm him, yes. If I'm Arsenal, I don't really know. I don't know. if – I, I don't think that doing it in Liga unless you're blowing them out of the water is um, a good enough litmus test of whether or not you can be good in the Premier League. Um, Jonathan David, who, by the way, was born in Brooklyn, <laughs> New York, <laughs> but um, he obviously plays for Canada, um, but he's good. He's very good. Um, I just don't, I still think that there's something to be proven uh, on that side. Um, He's just done it in very, um, I don't call it easy, but like it, in in situations where I don't know if I'd bring him into such a big club so quickly because um, you're almost kind of setting him up for failure unless he like blows the doors open the minute he gets in.
0: No, definitely. And I think it's, you've got to, it's part of the market at the moment that you've got the elite level and then you've got the up and coming level. So you've got to take a gamble, which is going to be quite interesting to see because you, you look at, for example, Chelsea signing, re signing Romelu Lukaku in the summer, massive money, and it's just not planning out. Panning out. And it was a very weird interview where he's like, oh, I didn't really ever want to leave Inter Milan, even though at the time he said he wanted to leave Inter Milan. Inter Milan fans don't like him. Chelsea fans now have got sacked against him. Um, obviously, Ronaldo's moved, Messi moved. So there's a, a lot of, of the top, top stars who have changed clubs, not working out as well as people might have hoped. But these, there is a young crop coming through. Obviously, you've got Kareem Adeyemi, Dusan Vlahovic, John David, Alexander Issa. It's waiting for one of these to burst out onto the scene. And what I quite like at the moment, is none of these are at big teams. Obviously, you've got a player at Salzburg, Fiorentina, Real Sociedad, Lille. So these are all teams that are actually riding the wave, giving youth a chance. Um, Like touching on Arsenal. Arsenal are giving youth a chance quite a lot at the moment. Obviously, you've got you're like to Gabrielle Martinelli, you've got Emil Smith-Rowe, Bakayo Saka. It's a perfect fit for one of these young strikers. And hopefully, by maybe the next time, their English window will be shut the next time. Well, actually, we'll be dead Monday the next time we're we'll filming this, which will be very yeah. interesting. Because I'll be sitting here crying when nothing's happened. Nothing at all. <laughs> and uh probably actually someone else has gone and signed for Hovich, someone else signed Isaac. And I'll be sitting there thinking, right, the next four months are going to be misery. But, we can talk about we can talk about arsenal for a very long time we can talk about manu for a very very long time because as yes, we can a lot lot is to come a lot is to change um talk about Ray, ralph
1: ragnick all day long
0: yeah and <laughs> i still um still giggle to myself when i do see chris Armass sit next to him on a premier league game especially the other night when uh man united played brentford and ronaldo got subbed and uh Chris Armas was saying, to Ronaldo," and I was just thinking, I wonder, "I wonder, I wonder, what he's saying. Like, I wonder what, since like fascinating information that he's just told Cristiano Ronaldo, but he's done very well to land himself at Man United. Chris Armas, so fair play. Um, some of
1: us, some of us know how to fall up the staircase.
0: Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> I still, it still, we uh, still gives me a giggle every now and then um, seeing him sitting next to Ronaldo, Bruno. Rashford, Maguire, but I'm not gonna not get into that, especially in a World Cup year. Uh, 80 million pound <laughs> wonder defender, but uh, I think just touching on that, and obviously 2022 is a World Cup year. Sadly, it's not a summer World Cup. Um, we're all used to lovely weather, June, July, watching watching it. Depending on obviously what time of the day, depending where you're from, but. Cold World Cup for us. Well, it's going to be a lot colder for you in- and <laughs> Oh yes, it will for me in London. But obviously, we could go into the ethics and politics of uh, a bribery World Cup. For
1: there are bribery time. World Cups. Oh
0: yes. If it's not paid with watches, it's paid with money. If it's not paid with money, it's paid with investments. But Qatar have got it. They're building a fantastic array of stadiums. They look amazing louis Robles has been to near enough all of them already which yeah which has been very hilarious
1: like very interesting (laughs) Like what a great what like like i don't think that there's ever like i heard that and i thought to myself i was like man like good for him like what a great job he ended up with i
0: I couldn't believe it I've, i've been following him along on his instagram page which if anyone doesn't follow him please do it's been fantastic some of the inside scoops of those these stadiums and watching the matches, which they all look brilliant, but obviously qualifying is still underway, which is very strange because you're normally by now it's five months to the World Cup. You know who's there. Draw's going to take place. You know who everyone's going to be playing. But obviously some teams have confirmed their spots. Um but the weird thing I'm going to say is we've got January World Cup qualifiers, which yep. is a very strange one. Obviously, US got a big game, few games coming up. Uh, I know, uh, looking through the array of things, and like even I was looking at some of the Asian qualifying games, where there's some big games. Africa as well, um, Egypt just just drawn Senegal, so that's Salah versus Mane. But touching on North North Northman qualification, I know um, it's going to be a big, big couple of games. Um, Obviously, Canada are leading the group at the moment. US are in there, obviously as they should be, but. How are you feeling about the upcoming couple of games? Yeah, should be a fascinating one, especially in
1: January. They so this is this is the lot of watching the U.S. men's national team. They should win both of these games. El Salvador in Columbus, I believe, is where the game is. Super cold weather. They're built for playing that game. They should win it. Canada will not have Alfonso Davies. He's um, uh, suffering from a uh, heart murmur. I'm. I can't pronounce what it's called, but it's essentially a heart murmur, I believe. So he will not be available for this game. I don't – I believe Jonathan David is available, but I know that there was a bit of a question about a hamstring, I think, something like that. So they're coming into this game at full strength. Canada is not – they have the home field advantage against El Salvador. Anything less than four points is a complete waste during this. Six points max. You you really take advantage of the fact that Mexico has slipped up a lot. They've lost a game at the Aztec on the first time in forever, um, and you're gonna have to go to Mexico in the next in the next round of fixtures. Get it. Get these points. Move on. Make sure you qualify for the World Cup.
0: No, yeah, definitely. And I think it's obviously gonna be a very fascinating level. Well, ten months now building up to the World Cup, and it's gonna take everyone by storm when it's November and you're going to be watching the World Cup. It's it's going to be one then. It's going to be a very weird one. And personally, I can't wait for it um, to revert back to summers and especially the World Cup, which will be Canada, US and Mexico. That's going yeah. to be a lot of fun. But like you were touching on earlier, there's some big games in the European set. If we just look at the European qualifying things at the moment, and you got to, you're going to, it's going to be tricky because how the European path is so different is there's a load of big names going into it. Apart from England, or England always managed to get an easy run in. It's lovely. Uh, Playing the very big powerhouse from south of Europe, San Marino. Always a tricky game. (laughs) Especially when it's only eight or nine or ten as it was in the last one.
1: Are they even really in Europe?
0: (laughs) It's so small that it's it's so small it is ridiculous. Um, I think when England played the last game, they did start Harry Kane up top and I think the two centre half, one was a teacher and one was a mechanic. So <laughs> I think <laughs> there is levels to uh, European qualifiers, but as it works, Everyone deserves a chance, um, but there's big, big teams will miss out. That's how. It's, that's just how it naturally is. It, big teams miss out. Um, you got. I'm just looking here now. At obviously, the teams who have qualified. Obviously, England have already qualified. But I was looking at that. Just touching on Africa, one. Salah Omane is not going to be there, which is obviously massive for African football, especially the ongoing African Cup of Nations, which we've got quite high coverage of it over here at the moment. Um, is uh, that We could talk about that all day long. And for anyone who doesn't, I'll just say, look, at, look up at the game today between Comoros and Cameroon. Um, yeah. They had all their keepers out Comoros, um, so they had to start a left-back in goal. And then 30 minutes into the first half, their captain got sent off. So it was kind of 10 men and a left-backing goal. And I only lost uh, 2-1, I believe, in the end, and an absolute bold cast free kick. But I know it's hard to say because people might not qualify, but... There was a red step,
1: card in every game of the round of 16. Like, every uh, game yesterday, by the way.
0: <laughs> it's meant... That, that competition is mental. I've watched some of it. It's been crazy. Um I think my personal favourite was the referee blew, put stoppage time up in the 85th minute. Um, He thought it was (laughs) the 90th. He blew full time at the 89th minute. Um, Didn't realise. So all the players started walking down the tunnel. Had to call them all back out. And then blew again early before the 90th minute. And then had to restart again. So third time lucky. All the time that, uh, I can't remember which country it was, but they started playing the national anthem, which wasn't theirs. So the players (laughs) started looking around and was like, what's going on here? Playing it again, wrong national anthem. And then I was told, believe it or not, sorry, we can't find your national anthem. You're going to have to sing it without no music. Ah, which, uh, ah, ah. which I was thinking it could That like, very lucky that the players were so understanding because there's some situations where that could really set off. something. imagine if you, Russia was lining up and they start playing Ukraine national anthem, or even imagine England, we've got England with all the fans there and they start playing the French national anthem or something. It could <laughs> It could seriously kick off, but that's been a load of fun. But just looking, obviously, looking into the World Cup from now, obviously, some people have been heard in Harlem, for example, Norway haven't qualified, but I've just got a feeling, you look at, obviously, the Euros are just been Italy, England made its final. There's a certain team that have won the competition on five occasions, and they've got, I think, the perfect blend between youth and experience, and that's Brazil. Obviously, mm. qualification still ongoing in South America, but I think they've got to be my early favourites. I don't claim to be big-headed in a lot of things, but World Cups I do tend to get spot on most of the time. I, sometimes it's not hard. Most people guess France. A lot of people guess Germany to win it in Brazil. But are you looking forward to the World Cup? I know it's different. It's not a summer World Cup, but World Cup's a World Cup. It's a festival of football. It should be every four years. Obviously, it's four and a half years since the last one, yeah. but it, should, it still should be a great watch, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I'm always looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun um, to see how far um, a Conquer cap team makes it, if any of us can ever get to semi semifinal. We were so close in 2002, which feels like so long ago. Um, but, it, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. It'll be interesting to see if... One of Portugal or Italy won't be there. So there's a potential chance that Ronaldo will not be in his last World Cup. Um, Although I have this like pro wrestling suspicion that he'll like, I don't know, somehow come out and like with a Brazilian passport and and, like play for them. Um, But it'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, hopefully the games are good. Hopefully, hopefully the stadiums pan out. Well, I've heard about how they, It will still be very hot, but the stadiums are very temperature controlled. So I'm glad that we're not going to have a situation where the elements should play as much of a factor, but we'll see how it goes um, with that respect. And I hope that it stays at the current number of teams. I hope we don't have that gigantic expanded tournament um, for uh, 2026. Um, But we'll, we'll see. Money talks in this situation.
0: I think um, there's a four letter word before the World Cup, and it's FIFA and money talks with FIFA. But it's it's an ongoing, like, it'd be a very good to see another part of the world getting it. Obviously, that's their main thing. I, I was hoping one day England will receive Obviously, haven't had it. They haven't had a World Cup since 66, haven't had the Euro since 90. Oh, that's a great one off the top of my head. 96, I believe. Off the top of my head, I don't think we've had a major competition, which doesn't help when you have the Euros final and about 500 people smash through the doors and get into the final. And it looks like now we've lost our bidding rights for the 2030. Great, well done, thanks everyone. Um, and
1: Luke Shaw scored a goal.
0: I, it was. The, I, I I blame him. Yeah, it was. If it, see, if we just lost that one there would have so much disappointment. Um, <laughs> Just looking back on it but yeah again who knows with the world cup got young players coming through with england could i don't think they will but could do a nice long run again but uh i won't get in the i will save the discussion about gareth southgate for another episode because <laughs> i could go into a lot of detail on the england national team which we will do at times we'll have like different international segments which we're good to look forward to but Closing up and obviously before we move on to looking forward on things, I'm gonna give you a chance here. Imagine you are in charge of Man United right now. I'll go do the same thing for Arsenal. Oh boy. You can sign one person and get rid of one person who's been starting most of your games this year. Who would you like to bring in and who would you like to see depart?
1: Just one person depart? Um, I would like to see Harry Maguire depart. Um because for some reason he doesn't play anywhere near the same kind of game for United that he plays for the um, English national team. Um, And if there's one player I could bring in, I mean, this is all fantasy stuff. I would steal Luka Modric for a season because he is by far one of, probably the best midfielder in the world.
0: I like that. Good, good one. And yeah, uh, Harry Maguire, is Harry Maguire, he's, very good for England and shambolic for Man United. Uh, moving on to Arsenal, I've set up a question. I don't even know an answer. To. I think it's obviously got to be a striker base for us. Obviously, dream world is do for Vlahovic, but yeah, again, I'll have to say Vlahovic just because he could take it to the next level. It's a bit tricky to play because uh, we've had quite a. I think it'd probably have to be just the. I'd have to say, I love him to pieces, but it has to be a Bamiyang for the sole fact of what has gone down in the past month and a half has been mental um from flying to france without permission apparently to pick up his mom which has turned out there's a load of rumors now that it wasn't um then we let him go early to the african cup of nations he went to dubai started partying, and got covid never played a game for gabon at the african cup of nations he was sent home early for apparent heart issues but Rumors are now coming out that he was actually done for disciplinary action and was sent home because of that. Very strange situation. Obviously, he left Dortmund for exactly the same reasons. It was disciplinary. Um, so sometimes players just don't learn. Sadly, um, very weird situation that is. Um, we're going like once it's one of them that obviously has been linked with a load of teams at the moment. Uh, a, couple of, a couple of Saudi Arabian teams of interest in, but obviously, does he want to go to Saudi Arabia? Money's there, but. He's a very lavish person. He likes his fast cars always. He, he loves it. I could see him maybe going back to AC Milan, but obviously he's on £350,000 a week. That's £1.4 Oof. million pounds a month. That is six, near enough £17 million a year. It's a lot of money and another big contract player at Arsenal that just hasn't worked out. Um, but yeah, like, I think that's... A, both of us uh so Luka Modric on deadline day and Vlahovic on deadline day yeah yeah
1: it ain't gonna happen for me anyway
0: <laughs> yeah I was just gonna say even though there's some very optimistic Arsenal fans I still got to see it happening in my one but obviously we've touched on a few other bits just so far um what we're looking for what we are looking for for the rest of the season because obviously we'll be bringing these podcasts every week again. it's gonna be great because it's just not just specific on MLS. It's gonna be Bundesliga, Italian League, French League, Spanish League, Portuguese League, English League, wherever there's anything to talk about, we will be talking about it. Especially, I think it's just great to have a good old talk about people, different people on who support different teams, MLS based, English base. But um what uh, what are the things you're most looking forward to for the rest of the season? Um can be American based. I'm gonna start. I think uh, watching us win the cup. Oh, wait, no, sorry. That was a dream. Um, It's definitely yeah. not watching Arsenal in the FA Cup or any other competitions because we're out of everything. So we've just got league games left, which is fun. Um, But yeah, uh, there's nothing like self-pity. Um, <laughs> But no, I think I'm actually quite looking forward to Champions League when it restarts up, uh, especially watching Real Madrid, Salzburg. I like watching play for these good young players. But um, I think also, I think the Premier League is going to be very fascinating as well coming up. The battle for fourth... Looks like Chelsea. Chelsea looked like they were going to drop into that race for a bit and it would be a race of third, but they've picked up results again. Um, They just need to get Lukaku scoring or Werner scoring or Hovert scoring or Pudisic scoring. Just one of their 500 attackers they got on their books, but it's going to be an interesting battle. Uh, I personally think Man United will just, I think Man United will finish fourth personally uh, in the long run. Um, And it doesn't look very optimistic for anyone at the moment because everyone's picking up results, but Man United started finding their way of playing a lot better of late. Um, players look, look like they've actually got a bit of about them again. Uh, whereas West Ham, Arsenal, Tottenham, M3, especially, obviously since Conte have come in, Tottenham have looked better, but very inconsistent teams, very inconsistent players. Uh, West Ham are overachieving in the position they are. So very, very well played to them. Arsenal, very young team. So you can't expect youngsters to deliver every single week. Tottenham, very hit and miss some players. I think similar to Arsenal, but rather than youngsters, it's more experienced players, you just don't know what you're gonna get from them. So I think Man United will win the race for full for I would say sadly, but I'm an optimistic I'm an optimistic Arsenal fan, but I'm not crazy. And I would take any European football. So even if we manage the I don't even like saying it, conference league, but Europe's Europe, so... But what, um, what are you looking... I suppose the top four race is going to be uh, up there for you, especially loving life, watching Man United at the moment. Um,
1: yeah. Oh, I don't know if loving life is the right <laughs> term for it. Maybe uh, breathing huge sighs of relief when you hold your breath for 90 minutes before Marcus Rashford scores the goal. Um, it's, it, it is that top four race, but really, aside from that, it's the cup games. It's Leipzig in in the Pokal. It's United in the Champions League. It's Real Madrid in the Champions League. It's that. It's um seeing if Sevilla can catch Real Madrid. I don't think they can, but they're not going away. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how that all pans out. I think the Premier League and and the Bundesliga are kind of done in when it comes to the title race. I think you're gonna get you're gonna get City and um, Bayern Munich up top. And also, um, what, what's going to happen between um, Inter Milan and AC Milan, that's back. It's, I know that it's not as sexy as it was in years past because really both teams are, like, they've been stripped away in large parts. And you're, you're watching this Zlatan show and you know that Frank Kessie is going to leave. And, and as good of players as are, as are there, it's temporary. But enjoy it while it lasts and you're getting Inter and AC Milan once again like the nineties back up top.
0: No, yeah, definitely do agree. And I think it's something it's gone a bit under the radar this year, Italian football, especially because not that I was going to say that the Miser event is obviously not doing as well as I am, but Inter Milan did win it last year and AC Milan, it's great to see him back contending again because like any of the big teams, it's never good to see them struggling so much. And um, I've got to admit, I've watched more Italian football this year than I have done in the past, and some very good players out there. So if people not, uh, I before I put things, uh, Chiesa, is a big shame that he's obviously done his uh, ligament, because he's a great player to watch, fantastic at the Euros, fantastic for Juve. Um, but another, sadly, another young player, especially in Italy, there's been a load of late... Like, crucial ligaments says. I remember Niccolò Zaniolo for Roma when he had his couple of ACLs, a brilliant player he looked obviously he's come back now he's playing quite well again but Italian league is fascinating very good players out there uh, a lot of players they pick up from your lower European leagues who go out there to play really well um, and another one I quite like watching at the moment is the actual era Eredivisie race because Ajax are doing very well of not conceding and scoring tons but and not actually leading the league, which is fantastic to see. And David Neres, Antony, Ryan Gravenberg, especially playing so well out there. Uh, Brian Broby as well, playing very well, which is another great one to watch. Just seeing the young players of Ajax yet again, producing world-class talent and potentially another one who could be on our radar for a summer transfer. Ryan Gravenberg, who is a fantastic player. And and even you're looking at leagues now, like uh, Portugal, uh, for example, very great league To watch good players out there as well And they've even delved into a bit of Belgian football of late So there's a lot lots of, lots to of watch mm. And a load of Americans to keep an eye on In a, a Belgian league For some reason seems like an American hotspot So we'll be keeping, keeping an eye on that But the only one we don't really ever mention Is France Because well, it looks okay. like that's it's just <laughs> one of them We had the once in a blue moon Delight of Lille winning it last year and it looks like this year it's going to be same old, same old. So but no, it's going to be a very good 2022 of football, Um, obviously building all the way up to the biggest glory of all football, uh, the World Cup. But before then, we've got every other competition, especially Europe, which is going to be fantastic. And even in the low point of summer for European football, we'll have the MLS to talk about. And by then, all the transfer goes on of the summer, which is going to be interesting, the... Keelan and Bappe and harlan show which would probably be renamed of every single football podcast tv show and everything in between because it's going to be all about them in the summer but we look forward to uh bringing you a lot more content this year especially football base because there's a lot more to talk about and broadening the horizon we can get more people in so we're hoping to appeal to more people but also get more people on to have some great discussions and it won't always be about what you think it'll be about. Sometimes we have different themed episodes of different countries, different players. So uh, we look forward to bringing it. I know Angie's a very much like-minded person here who watches a load of football. So we're going to try and give you all the best opinions and breakdowns of football games in between.
1: Absolutely. Uh, excited to talk about more than just the Red Bull family, although we'll be watching a lot of that uh, in the next few months.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, that will always be our focus. But like <laughs> we say, we're going to be – keeping our eyes on all European football, everything that's going to happen, not even just major division, but especially English football as well. Keep an eye on all the four divisions, what's going on, Derby, for example, and a lot of other crazy situations in English football, like Oldham Affleck and a load of other bits, which uh, will be a very good breakdown in the future. But that has concluded the first episode of 2022. uh, It's still weird to say 2022, but it is... um, when we'll be filming this episode next week, it will be the English deadline day and Europe, most European deadlines. So hopefully we'll have quite a few transfers to talk about, which will be very interesting. So when uh, Erling Haaland, and Mbappe and Velovic are signed for Arsenal, I'm in a very good mood. And then I'm going to turn off football manager and then I'm going to be talking on here about our signing no one and left with Eddie Ketia, Lacazette and uh, upset of Aubameyang. But thank you very much for joining us once again. We look forward to it. Welcoming you back next week. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure for me and Anthony. Hope you all stay well and see you on the next one. Bye bye.